mind's eye as we read the scripture. Revelation chapter 5 verses 1 through 14, the word of God says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw an angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and on the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book, Out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, and the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And together, and the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this powerful portion of scripture and we ask as we turn our attention to it that you'd give us insight into your word we need to hear from you lord it's good to know who's in charge it's good that we can rest in jesus as the song we sang And Lord, that you are more than capable of taking care of us and and getting us through whatever we're facing. And help us as we learn more about 
our blessed Savior, uh, that we would be more and more convinced that he's worthy of eternal praise, honor, and glory, and blessing. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What a powerful portion of scripture. As I was praying about what to, to preach this week, and as we're going through the the situation with dad, and of course our our thoughts and hearts are toward heaven uh, as he gets ready to make his entrance and look on his Savior face to face. I was wanted to preach about the Lord, of course, and our theme, and I had another thought that I was going to give uh, this week, but I sensed the Lord drawing my attention to just a different thought. Our theme is in Christ. And we're going to talk about, you're not going to want to miss uh, a lot of the Sunday mornings we've got coming up. We're going to talk about who we are in Christ. It's truly life-changing, who we are after we're saved. And uh, really could just help a lot of people and solve a lot of our own internal strife and and fears and worries and doubts. Uh, But in, in course of that, we also need to know who Christ is. So we're reminding ourselves throughout this year about the character of Christ. And we talked just recently about Christ is God. And we've got some other exciting lessons coming up about just reminding ourselves who Jesus is. If we're in Christ, then we need to make sure we know who Christ is. And as I was meditating about all of that and the the lesson that I was going to teach and and preach and then my mind toward heaven, the Lord gave me this thought. And I love it. Jesus is the jewel of heaven. Jesus is the jewel of heaven. Years ago, I was in Bible college and on a Sunday night, I was sitting down at the on the front row of a big uh, 4,000-seat auditorium. And the preacher had just preached, and the, audit, the, the invitation was going on. And sometimes after the invitation, people would come up, and, and uh, if they were leaving, perhaps they'd been in college getting trained, and they were going out into service, those folks would come up and sit on the front row and fill out a decision card, and then just to let the church know that they were going to be leaving. And so the the preacher would take their name and read it and have them stand, and uh, they would pray for them, and then they'd stay up front, and, and the church would come by and, and um, say goodbye to them as they would go out in the ministry and such. And uh, that night, <clears throat> we're sitting on the front row over here uh, to the preacher's uh, right, and I've got me and, me and my buddy, and there's a lady sitting next to me, and her husband's getting ready to go up, and they were very well-dressed, and and, uh, you know, clearly some nice clothes and, and things. But I wasn't really paying attention. All of a sudden, this blinding flash of light kind of shocked me from over on this side of my face. And I looked over, and she was moving her, her hands. And on her left hand, she had the largest diamond I've ever seen in my life. To this day, it's the largest diamond I've ever seen in my life, and I just kind of, and then what, <laughs> you know, to kind of did the double take, and then I get my buddy, and, and he's half listening, because he's over there, and thinking about getting ready to leave, you know, like you do, as uh, we're dismissing, he's getting his stuff together, and and uh, half listening, and, and I did this, and he's like, what, and I said, and he looks over, and he goes, <laughs> you know, so you got us two, 
young 20, 20 year old guys. We're both gawking at this lady's ring, and I'm sure it was uncomfortable and we looked foolish. And so she, in her kindness, looked over and saw us, and she's like, you know, <laughs> we're right there. And uh, I just said, ma'am, I said, that's a beautiful ring. And she picked it up and moved it and, and uh, <laughs> let us look at it a little bit more closely. It was gigantic. And the, the lights were just glistening all over it. And it was a solitaire uh, that was just a massive diamond ring. And then, you know, the wedding ring around it, how it's got all the little diamonds around it and the gold. And I said, ma'am, that is the largest ring I've ever seen in my life. And she smiled and says, my husband's very generous. I was like, he's very rich, too. I didn't say that, but that's, that's what I was thinking. Well, come to find out, before they had given their, their um, future to the Lord, they were Christians serving the Lord in just a church. And he was uh, probably in, in his uh, late 20s, early 30s, by the, when they had surrendered. He had a very good job. He was actually a, a lumber purchaser. So he was one of the guys that would purchase bulk loads of lumber for things like Home Depot and Lowe's and things like that. And so he was moving a lot of money's worth of stuff. And uh, back before they went to Bible college, they were very wealthy. And he gave all that up to serve Jesus, which, by the way, don't feel bad for him. That was the right decision. Amen. But she got to keep the ring. <laughs> and so, and so uh, it was beautiful, the, the biggest ring I've ever seen. And I often think about that ring, uh, you know, just through the years, little things will come up. And uh, when I was thinking about Jesus being the jewel of heaven, I thought about that ring. You know, there's a lot of beautiful diamonds around it and a beautiful gold band. The gold was precious and valuable. The beautiful diamonds around it were beautiful, and any one of us would have been glad to have any one of those diamonds or that, that band of gold. But I tell you what, the jewel sitting on top of that was far and above and away more precious than anything else in that setting. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus is the jewel of heaven. You know, one of these days we get to heaven, we're going to see streets of gold. And boy, that's nice. We're going to have mansions, and that's going to be great. There's not going to be any more pain or sorrow or suffering, no taxes, no politics, uh, all of those things. <clears throat> We're going to have a new body that's not racked with disease and brokenness and age and corruption. There's a lot of wonderful things about heaven. There's going to be angels there, innumerable amount of angels. There's going to be friends and loved ones who've gone on before that are going to be there with us. And the Bible is very clear that we're going to know each other in heaven. And I've got family members in heaven. You know, I got a, an old grandma on my dad's side, and, and she was a godly woman. And uh, she's there. I've got other friends and family. Brother Bo, who led me to the Lord, is in heaven. Pastor Ross, who started the church I got saved at, is in heaven. The list goes on and on. I've got people I've won to Christ in heaven. And friends in heaven. My brother 
in Christ, Rob, who we went to college with, and, and he pastored up in Maine, died in his <clears throat> late 30s of, of uh, colon cancer. And my brother-in-law, Rick, who Jenny will be here this week, just going on five years, uh, passed away of cancer. He was pastoring a church and one of my best friends. And you know, there's a lot of reasons we could sit here all day and talk about all the reasons that we like about heaven. Matter of fact, years ago, I preached a sermon called 10 Things I Love About Heaven. But you know, of all those things we could talk about, Jesus Christ is the jewel of heaven. He is the one that makes heaven, heaven. The very fact that God himself wants to be with us. He wants to be our God. He wants us to be his people. You know, it's kind of like getting married. My home is where my wife is. I'm thankful for a good house to live in. I'm thankful uh, that we get to live in a beautiful area. But you know, I could move anywhere in the world with my family, and that's home. You know why? Because that's where my family. And my wife feels the same way. And it's kind of that way about Jesus. What makes heaven heaven? Well, God's there. And God wants to be with you. And He wants us to be with Him. And Jesus Christ is the jewel of heaven. Of all heaven's glories, Jesus is the ultimate you know, we know a lot about the Lord, and we've, we've talked about Him. Jesus Christ eternally existed in heaven. Then He came down to earth and was clothed in human flesh so that He could live as a man, a perfect man, and die as a perfect man for the sins of other others. Then we understand that when His earthly ministry was over, after He died on the cross to pay for our sins, was buried and rose again, Acts chapter 1. We won't take time to turn to it. Acts chapter 1 talks about the ascension, where Jesus in His glorified bodily, just bodily ascends back up into heaven in the sight of the uh, disciples, and they're just sitting there watching, their jaws dropped, and as their attention's over here, two angels appear over here, and said, what are you doing staring up into heaven? He's going to come again. And uh, He's existed in heaven, came to earth for a short time so that he could fulfill the gospel plan, the death, burial, and resurrection, so we could be saved by faith in him. Then he ascended back up into heaven. The Bible says right now he intercedes for us uh, at the the right hand of the Father, uh, reminding God and, and the justice of God that all of our sins are under the blood and have been paid for. But it's always been about Christ. And Jesus Christ is the jewel of heaven. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and 33, speaks of Christ being at the right hand of the Father. It says, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted. And so Christ is alive and well today. Dear friend, you can go to the graves of all the other, uh, the graves and the tombs of all the other religious leaders in the world. And Muhammad's dead and gone. And all the other religious leaders are dead and gone. But friend, there's still an empty tomb in Jerusalem where people go to by the millions to go see the empty tomb. He's not there. He's not dead. He died on the cross to pay for our sins, was buried, 
and rose again. And Jesus Christ is alive today in heaven. He is God and King. But I just want to take a little bit of time this morning and show you from the scriptures that Jesus Christ is the jewel of heaven. This is so beautiful. You know, sometimes we forget <clears throat> that the one who came first as the suffering lamb is going to come back as the conquering lion. You know, the world looks at Jesus and, <clears throat> and you know, they, you, you see the effeminate paintings that they draw and they talk about him in, 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 in very weak terms and they forget that Jesus Christ died not because he was weak, but because he is love. And even on the cross, he could have called uh, legions of angels to bring him down. It wasn't weakness that held Christ on the cross. It was love that held Christ on the cross. And he was buried, but he rose in power. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 said that God raised him with power. And the resurrection is the exclamation point on the gospel. So I want you to notice today as we turn our eyes to heaven, this is the heaven we're going to go to if we're born again. This is the heaven where our friends and loved ones are. And Jesus Christ is the jewel of heaven. And I want to remind us who Jesus is today as the jewel of heaven. We're in Revelation chapter 5. Look back at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, <clears throat> and look at verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one that sat on the throne. So I want you to notice that this is a, a picture of the rapture. The church is mentioned 18 times in Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3. After Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, when that door opens and John's called up hither, the church isn't mentioned again until later, and we see, we see her at the, the marriage supper of the Lamb and other things. Folks, the church is going to be gone during the great tribulation time, and I'm glad about that. God's going to rescue us up from that in that beautiful thing called the rapture. If you're born again, when that uh, great tribulation begins, God's going to call us up as He pours out His judgment upon the world. Let me give a quick word of warning. If you know how to be saved right now, and you are actively rejecting Jesus Christ, you know how to be saved, you don't want to be saved, perhaps you're, you're playing church or whatever, when that great rapture happens... And the Bible says God's going to send strong delusion on all those that knew how to be saved but had rejected Him. I've had people tell me over the years, well, I'm not saved, but if I ever see the rapture happen, then I'll know it's real and then I'll get saved. And I tell them, you're not, gonna, you're not going to cheat the gospel. Jesus said that everybody that goes to heaven must go by faith. And as a, a, a defense against that, when the rapture happens, those that knew how to be saved are going to be sent strong delusion. And man, they're already prepping it. Maybe aliens are going to come and take abduct millions of people. You know, maybe the earth is going to cleanse these evildoers. Uh, they're going to have some reason why all, these, why all these people are gone. And a lot of people are going to believe it. Let me just encourage you, if you're not born again, today's the day to get saved. You don't put it off. 
You get saved when you have the opportunity. And so here, just like the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, at the rapture, we are in, the, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're caught up into heaven, and you see John immediately in the Spirit. And then what's the first thing he sees? That throne. A throne was set in heaven, and one set upon the throne. Hey, I'm glad we don't have an empty throne. Amen? And Jesus is right where He's supposed to be. God's in full control. Look at verse 3. And He that set was to look upon a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And so imagine the glistening throne, and Ezekiel gives a picture of the throne of God. We won't take time to turn to it. But a, a beautiful, the glory of God, the shimmering, the, the, the beauty of it is, is mind-boggling and astounding. And the Lord sitting upon the throne. And notice there's a rainbow at the throne. This is the judgment seat of Christ. The rainbow in the Bible is a picture of God's mercy. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, after God destroyed the flood, uh, destroyed the world by a flood, His promise that He would never destroy the world that way again was a big rainbow in the sky. Now the LGBTQ community and all of that, they've stole God's symbol of mercy and hijacked it as a symbol for their own sinfulness. But my friend, in the Bible, the, the rainbow is a picture of God's mercy. So this is the judgment seat of Christ. And notice, as John the Christian is translated into heaven, he's at the judgment seat of Christ. Revelation chapter 21, we see the great white throne judgment. There's no rainbow there. Matter of fact, the heavens and the earth flee away because God's angry. And that's a judgment for those who have rejected Christ or tried to earn their way to heaven through their own goodness. They will stand before God in their sin and be condemned once and for all to a Christless eternity. But here we see the judgment seat of Christ. Isn't that a blessing? And look what it says about uh, verse 4. And round about the throne were four... And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. Now the four and twenty elders are representative of those who have gone to heaven. I don't have time to, to exegete all of this in Romans, in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, but I'll just give you highlights as we go through. So the 420 elders are, elders are the representatives of those that have been born again that are already in heaven and, and uh, are there worshiping. Excuse me, worshiping him. And notice where they're at. They're around the throne, clothed in white raiment. This is symbolic of the righteousness of Christ. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. One of the things that we do, we get to do here on earth as we serve God is we get to earn crowns of service that one of these days we, in heaven we will kneel down and cast our crowns back before the Lord as a symbol of of our love and devotion for Him, and is how we live for Him on earth. In verse 5, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And verse 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And so these are the seraphim. <clears throat> so in the Bible, there's different kinds of angels. There's two specific kinds of angels, cherubim and seraphim. 
These are the bodyguards, the, the protectors, as if God needs them, but they are the special angels that are called to protect the holiness of God. And you find here in this scripture <coughs> these seraphim crying, Holy, holy, holy. to my throat. Thank you for that. We're going to we're going to have a halftime intermission. Just a moment. Just give me a second. Twenty five years of preaching, I never had one that bad. One of the ushers run down and grab me another glass of water. I appreciate it. <laughs> but the pastor's on the move. <clears throat> Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Sorry about that. Let's pray and just ask the Lord to help me. Father, I'm not quite sure what that was, but I didn't like it, that's for sure. And I pray that you would give my voice strength and help us as we continue looking at your word. I'd love to have the... <coughs> the physical strength and and clarity to keep uplifting Jesus. And so we ask you for that. And please honor yourself in our service in Christ's name. Amen. Not sure what that was, but it seems to be mostly past. Let's get back to talking about Jesus, amen? So we see here in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, And the four beasts each had of them six wings, full of eyes without and within. They rest day and night, day and night. So these are the, the bodyguards of God's holiness, <clears throat> the seraphim. And look what they're doing here at the end of verse 8. Thank you, buddy. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And of course, crying out for the holiness of God. Verse 9, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him, that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So we see, number one, that Christ is holy, surrounded by cherubim and seraphim. He's the jewel of heaven, folks. All the attention of heaven is on Christ. Just like when I looked at that little ring, 
not little ring, that massive ring and all the little diamonds around it and the gold, all your attention was drawn to that one jewel that's set on top of it all. And Christ is the jewel of heaven. We notice in not just that he's surrounded by cherubim and seraphim, but number two, Christ is worshipped by heavenly throngs. And so look at verses 10 and 11 again. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So not only is Christ holy, surrounded by cherubim and seraphim, but Christ is worshipped by heavenly throngs. People say, what are we going to do in heaven? Well, there's going to be a whole lot of worship. Amen. Going to be a whole lot of singing. Going to be a whole lot of bowing down. Why? Because he's worthy of it all. But you know we're also going to have service in heaven. We're going to have different ways that we serve God. Do you know the Bible says that we're going to reign with him? Folks, during the millennial kingdom, we're going to have responsibilities. We're going to get to rule and reign with him. I wish I had today, time today to tell you all the wonderful things that heaven has in store for you if you're a child of God. So not only is Christ worshipped by heavenly throne throngs number three and this is our text christ is the hero of heaven christ is the hero of heaven every story has to have a hero we know who the villain is the devil's the villain in 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 god's story and he's defeated foe thankfully but christ is the hero and i won't take time to read all of it again because we read it but in Revelation chapter 5, we, we see in heaven there's a problem. There's a seven-sealed book that nobody was strong enough, powerful enough, had enough authority and power to open. They searched heaven. There was no man in heaven. Uh, there was no man in earth. There was no man under the earth. That's a, a uh, reference to hell. And so in, in all of God's creation, there was nobody with the power, strength, and authority to open this book. And John here in this vision actually began to weep in verse 4. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. But then look at verse 5, and I love this. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you know who that is? That's Jesus. Look at some of the names for Jesus. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And we find him in the presence of of these people, uh, Christ taking the book and opening the book. And in verse 9, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Why? What earned him this right? For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And when this happens, you know, just imagine the hero of the story stands up and he's claiming his prize and everybody rises and, and the, the angels begin to rise. The innumerable number of angels begin to rise and cheer as Christ, the hero of heaven, takes the book. And then the four and twenty elders, all those that are born again, 
Rise and begin to cheer. And you can imagine this, this chant that happens in the Bible says in this moment, those in heaven, those in the earth, and those under the earth all begin to chant and to sing the same song. I personally believe that this is when it's going to happen in, in Philippians chapter 2 where the Bible says every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now look at verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to his lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Jesus is the jewel of heaven. He's holy, surrounded by angels. He is worshipped by heavenly throngs, but Christ is the hero of heaven. Let me show you the last verse. Look at Revelation chapter 19. If I'm ever having a bad day, I feel like I'm taking some hits or maybe even just getting plain beat down by life. I like to turn to Revelation chapter 19 and read about my hero. And look at verse 11, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Do you see how Faithful and True are capitalized? Those are two of the very names of Christ. He's so faithful that faithful is his name. Do you know, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what your bank account looks like. I don't know how your body feels. I don't know what situations are going on in your life. But did you know God is faithful? And Jesus Christ is faithful. And sometimes He will allow us to suffer for some greater end. You say, I don't like that. You know, He did the same thing with Jesus. Jesus himself suffered for a greater cause so you and I could be saved. And even in our suffering, we can look up and see him that is faithful. And he's not just faithful, he's true. He is the truth itself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's one thing to be faithful. It's better to be faithful doing the right thing all the time. And here's our Lord. He's always doing the right thing. He's always saying the right thing. He is faithful and true, and he's right on time. <clears throat> and in righteousness does he judge and make war. Here the hero of heaven, once again, at the end of the age, is going to step in. Verse 12, we see a look into his glorified body. His eyes were as a flame of fire, speaking of judgment. On his crown were as many on his head were many crowns, speaking of authority, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Verse thirteen, I love this, and he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. 
and his name is called the Word of God. So imagine Christ wearing a, a vest that had some of the very blood on it that he used to purchase our souls. The ultimate symbol of his victory. And he is the living Word of God. Look at verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen and white and clean. Sometimes people ask, are there animals in heaven? And people usually lie to their kids and say, oh, sure, your little hamster's in heaven. <laughs> you know, your little gerbil, your little mouse is. Thankfully, I don't think there's mice and rats and mice and rats and all that in heaven. We do know there's horses in heaven. And so there are at least some animals in heaven. But <clears throat> we are going to be on, on these white horses following Christ into battle. So Christ will be ahead of us leading a heavenly throng into battle. And look at verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed upon him white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Again, speaking of our salvation. Verse 15. Here it comes time for the battle. We're going to have to get out our swords. No, you don't have to. Matter of fact, you don't have to get off your horse. You don't have to unsheathe your sword. You just sit there and watch as the hero of heaven does what he does. He speaks the word and the battle's over. Look at verse 15. Out of his mouth go with a sharp sword with which... Excuse me, with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Oh, I love it. Look at it. Let's read verse 16 together. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You see that all caps there? That's a big deal. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. My friend, whenever you're going through a hard time, I recommend you turn to Revelation chapter 19 and you watch your hero. You read about him one more time. Winning the great battle. Simple message this morning. Jesus is the jewel of heaven. He's holy on a throne surrounded by cherubim and seraphim. He's worshipped by heavenly throngs. And Christ is the hero of heaven. I'll finish by saying this. Christ also sits as the ultimate judge of the universe. John 5.22 says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment to his Son. Let me just encourage you here this morning, if you're watching or you're here and you've never had a time where you've trusted Christ as your Savior, it's not enough to have good feelings about Jesus. It's not enough to think he was a good guy. It's not enough to pay him respect. It's not enough to have some religion or to try to be a good person. The Bible says very clearly that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a very simple equation. Without Christ... We die and go to hell, tormented forever. With Christ, we die and go to heaven, living in eternal bliss. What makes the difference? I have to confess that I'm a sinner. Realize there's no possible way for me to go to heaven without Him. I have to realize that He is exactly who we claim to be, believing in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He is who He said He is, the Son of God. He died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. 
There has to come a time in my life when I acknowledge my sinfulness. And I think about all of the religions and all the things I've tried to do myself. I turn to Christ and say, I need you. I need you to save me. As much as I know how, I'm putting my faith in you. Let us take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure today if you're not sure you're saved. If you are saved, I want you to leave this place and maybe throughout this week, I want you to remind yourself Jesus is the jewel of heaven. Maybe you put that in your daily prayer list as you're praising God. You just tell Him that, Lord, you're the jewel of heaven. One of these days when I get to heaven, of all the blessings, the greatest blessing is going to be I get to be with you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for... The truth, we ask that you give us insight into your word. Save those that need saving. Encourage those that need encouraged. And Lord, help us to have our own eternal destiny settled. Help us to think about those who are already in heaven with warm thoughts, knowing we'll see them again. Pray for our brother Rick and and others who are desperately sick that may be seeing you soon, that you'd give them great grace in their final days. 